Well, as we begin, let me bring up a, a saint this morning. This is March 17th, and of course, I'm going to bring up St. Augustine. You thought I was going to say Patrick. I'm not wearing a speck of green. If you want to honor Patrick this morning, go out and tell your neighbor about Jesus Christ. That's the thing that would honor Patrick the most. And read his confessions. It's free online. Let's talk about St. Augustine, though. Uh, one of my favorite characters in Christian history who we owe a lot of our theological language to. I'm not going to talk about most of that. I'm going to say this, that he lived in the 350s to the 430, he died in 430 AD. Um, and he was rather prideful in his youth, and he'll tell you that for pages upon pages upon pages. He'll tell you that in his confessions. It's a wonderful read, but he talks, uh, he would have been from North Africa, spent almost all of his life in North Africa, spoke Latin, but when he was learning as a, a child, learning Greek, which is the language of the Bible, particularly the New Testament, um, he didn't like it. And he regretted that. Uh, he, wanted, he liked Latin. He didn't like Greek at all. He laments this for a long time, but he finally figured out, as he started to dig into Scripture, how much Scripture had to offer, how much he came to love Scripture. Um, and he, of course, would have read it in its original language. He says this, among other things, when he's speaking of Scripture, and I think this is a good thing for us to start with. Uh, Augustine says, The Bible was composed in such a way that as beginners mature, its meaning grows with them. So no matter where you start, it's always going to, you're always, it's always going to be ahead of you, first of all. But second of all, as you grow, you get more out of it. And, and as we look today, we're, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, I'd ask that you'd find Matthew 6, verse 11, and we're going to do a little Bible flipping this morning, going back, and we'll be in Matthew almost exclusively, but we're going to be in a number of different passages of Matthew you can look at it on your, your phone, your physical Bible, whatever you got in front of you, go for it. And, and Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily, or today our daily bread, whatever your translation has. We're talking through the Lord's Prayer. This is the, the six words that we're on today. And what we're contending in this whole sermon series is that when you pray the Lord's Prayer, a few things will happen. You pray like Jesus, uh, you're going to discover the heart of God, and then third, you can be transformed. Let me just make, make an important point about that third one. Um, if you don't know Jesus Christ, that third one's not going to happen until you do. You can pray the words like Jesus. Yep. You can even discover that that's what matters to God as you pray it. But it's only when we are actually finding our salvation in Jesus Christ and have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that a transformation begins to occur. And what's occurring at that point is as we pray something like the Lord's Prayer, we're given language about what the Spirit is doing so that we can grasp on and live out that transformation that God is working in us through the Holy Spirit. That's what we're on about in this series. But what I want to do today, um, I want to empower you to be able to study Scripture better. It's important that we do both uh, devotional reading of scripture. I try and do this every morning where I sit down and read it without commentaries or anything like that, just to read scripture, to let it wash over me and challenge me and allow me to grow because God is speaking to me and pray that that happens. But we also need to study it, which means we need to actually chart things out and write things down and journal and, and scribble on the page and do all those kinds of things. And I want to empower you with a simple way to study scripture better this morning. Perhaps it's old news to some of you, maybe it's new to others, but whatever it is, if it's news or refresher, we're going to do this little method, and we're going to do it four times as we work through, give us today our daily bread. 
not so that we would just do it four times and walk away, but so that you could then take it with you. It's, the, the, it's in your sermon notes how to do it the simple way, and we'll do this. I think it's important. I think God's given us the tools through Scripture that we can unlock the basic understanding of the Lord's Prayer without a commentary. Commentaries are great. I use them all the time. Without a Bible dictionary. Those are great, but without the footnotes at the bottom of your page, just with what Jesus said, we can actually unlock the heart of God. So I want to challenge us to do that today. So if we look at the simple method I'm going to teach you, you'll see the, the four parts are in your uh, bulletin on the sermon notes page. They'll also be on the screen. Um, the, the first thing, let's look at our, our verse. We've, I've said it multiple times, but Matthew 6, 11. Give us today our daily bread. That's what we're focusing on. What we're going to do is break it up into four pieces. And we're going to ask for each of those, for our word or phrase, it'll be a word for each one, what's the definition of that word? And, and this isn't real hard, because if I look at the first word give, and we're not there yet, but if I look at that one, what do I think give means? It's not going to be a real challenge. Um, what I did in the course of this, I used tools that you have only in English, and so I think the next screen has a picture of my phone. The first thing I looked at was, and it's, it looks like an eye chart from where you are, but this is you version of the Bible app. You don't need that to do it. There are other tools. But I had already set up, hey, here's like six translations. I can click on a verse, click on a button, say compare. I can now see them all. Cool, right? The tools that we have at our disposal. If I want to know what the definition of the word is, I can look in multiple translations and see that they all at least use the same word. If they use more than one word, I can say, oh, maybe that gives me an idea of the def definition. I can also go to an English dictionary and get that too, and that might help me because it might be the same thing. It might be different. You never know. So that's what we do first. We define the word. Then we ask the question, how is the word used in the same book of the Bible? So it, uh, um, for instance, Romans, Paul uses the word flesh. The book of John uses the word flesh. They don't use the word flesh the same way. So I want to know how John uses it. I want to know how Paul uses it. If I try and define, cross-define them, I might get a little confused. So I want to stick with the same book as much as possible. And it's genius what we can do with electronic resources here. So as we'll see with Give, when I look for Give, I think this is the next slide, I simply typed in Give at BibleGateway.com, easy for you to say, right? Hit Search. It gives me every instance of the word Give in the Bible. That's way too much. On the right column, I clicked Matthew. Then I had every instance of the word give in Matthew. Pretty easy. Now all of a sudden I can make some sense. Maybe it'll tell us what we, more than we need to know. Maybe it'll reinforce our definition. We'll find out. And then I asked this key question at the end. What now? What are the implications of what I've learned on my life? And if you have your sermon notes and you're taking notes, put a couple stars by question number four. What are the implications for my life? Or however it's worded there in your bulletin. Because if you don't answer that, who cares about one through three? It's just an exercise for fun at that point. We need to know what, what purchase does this have in my life? What is God trying to do because I discovered what I discovered? So this is a simple method I think anyone can do. Uh, it's 100% guaranteed. You won't be dissatisfied with this method. Uh, money back on that. All right, so let's start with um, the first two words of our verse. Give us. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us. If we were to find the word give, a gift, 
right? We might think of that kind of thing. Something that you receive that's handed uh, to you. And I would suggest that as you look at it in its context, there's no sense of entitlement there. It's something that we've freely been handed over. If you look at your multiple translations, as I said we should do, they do you no good here because they all say give and give us. And let me point out, the us language, we shouldn't ignore that. The Lord's Prayer is for the people of God, not the person of God, right? It's, it's our Father, it's us language. It's not me and my language. I think that's important. I think it fails if you try and do it with me and my. Give us this day. Give us, uh, if you look at the dictionary, it's to freely transfer something from one person to another. That's give. Okay, this is not hard stuff. That's what's great about it. Let's look at a couple instances where we find give in Scripture. Let's look at Matthew 13, 11, and 12. It will be on the screen, but it's more fun to turn there, I think. Uh, Matthew 13, 11, and 12. It should have worked faster for me. Jesus is talking here. He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is a great verse of contrast. Give and take is right there. Um, it's the same word that's being used. We can also see Matthew 6, 2. Uh, might give us some insight, too, where Jesus says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. In both cases, what's given is not something that could be taken or apprehended by the person who receives. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, that's only something God can give, and we have to receive it. We can't take that. We can't go to the store and buy that. Same here with uh, giving to the needy. If you give to the needy, they obviously don't have it. You're giving them something they don't have. So if we look at what this does to our definition, probably nothing but reinforce what we already thought from the beginning, but it was worth doing. Uh, it was worth looking to make sure that that we, we are right in our definition and how we understood the word. The beauty of this all is it's not rocket science, right? This was really fast to get there. And if you use the, the electronic resources out there, which I, I advocate because then you don't have to spend your time turning pages and pages and pages. The resources are so good, then we can spend our time looking at the scripture and digging into it. I'll point this out. The, the important thing about recognizing what we're doing here um, is uh, my Greek teacher... Back in college, uh, he said people often asked him, you know, well, what does the Greek say on X verse? And his answer was probably what the English says. 98% <laughs> of the time, that translation's pretty much right on. There are a few times when we can quibble about certain things. And if you go online, I went on to BibleGateway.com, which is a great resource that's free out there. There, I counted 51 translations in English on there, and you could quibble about, you know, which ones are translations versus paraphrase. We're not going to do that. That's advanced technique. There's 51 different English things that you can resource right there, free at your disposal. And you can put them all across the page and see all the, uh, the different translations. It's amazing. So let's go to the implications of this particular part. Give us. How about this? Don't be entitled. Give us. Be grateful. For what God has freely given. Recognize that God's already given us everything we need and then some. That's, that's packed into that. Give us part of that passage. And, and think of it this way, because I think sometimes we can get lost in the details. God has given us not simply life, 
And the fact that we're all here is a tremendous gift from God, right on, right on, its, on its own. But the fact of the matter is, we also are able to do things with our bodies, to move. Some of us have more limitations than others, perhaps, but we can still move. One of the most remarkable things I was thinking about as I was preparing this is, we can hear the words that I'm saying right now and take them in. And even for those of us who have hearing aids, that's a human invention that only was made possible because God made us creative and able to apprehend the world we're in and discover and figure out how to work the world in order to make those things. And even further, the fact of the matter is, not only does somebody maybe have a hearing device to help them hear this morning, it's also going through my microphone to the soundboard, where then it's going to a thing in the floor that's just a copper wire that reinforces that, all because God made us creative people who can apprehend the world we're in and made us interested in it to figure this stuff out. Isn't that remarkable? Give us. That's all packed in there, I think. And even further, let's just go a little further. You can not only take in the sound waves that are coming in, but you don't just have a brain, you have a mind to take in and interpret the words and make sense of them and then act upon them. I mean, isn't this just a remarkable? Give us, God. So give us how often? Let's go to the next word. Give us today. If you look at the different translations, again, you're going to go very, not very far with today. You're going to have today. You're going to have this day. Those pretty much mean the same thing, in my opinion. Uh, you can argue with me if you want later, I guess. There's some people that advocate that the, the Greek word that's there might mean tomorrow. So let's be real generous and say, in the next 24 to 48 hours, God, give us our daily bread. Right? I think that's what's going on. This isn't give us the five-year plan of our daily bread. This isn't give me at retirement my daily bread. This is give us in the now our daily bread. That's what's going on. Matthew 6.30. We don't have to go very far from our text. We heard it this morning. We can find today. Jesus says, If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here when? Today. And tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So this one's pretty straightforward. You don't have to do a lot of comparison. But I think just looking at something as simple as that, because Jesus, I think, is expanding on the idea there in the Sermon on the Mount. This is just a few verses later. This is the meaning of it being fleshed out in that whole passage. We can recognize that God's care today is not going to be elevated by any sense of worry that I can bring to the occasion. God is not going to, I can't outdo God because I'm worrying about something. I can't, uh, I can't change those things out of my control because I worried. You know, all over uh, Nebraska, we have flooding right now, and people have had to evacuate their homes, but I know here in Lincoln, probably some of you had water in your basements or your garages. People we know did. I, we had it in our garage for a couple days, and that was a new experience for me. I'm thankful for a father-in-law who helped me push all the water out numerous times, but when it first started coming in, I did what I could to get it out, try and prevent it from coming back in, and then it was bedtime, and I go to bed. And what do you do at first? You sit and worry. What about this? What about that? But I can't change anything by that worry, can I? No, I had to mentally tell myself, stop it. If there's water, it's going to get in there at this point. Go to bed. You'll take care of it in the morning. It's the same way with God. We can't outdo God with our worry. And if God has granted us, give us, given us 
life and the ability to understand the world we're in and live in it, if God has taken that much work to create and then sustain his creation, do I now believe that God is interested in my worst or my best? Right? If God has created you and me and has given us life and continues to sustain us, what do I believe about God's interest in my day-to-day life? Is it my worst or my best that he's interested in? It's my best. God wants me to thrive and survive in the world that he's created. Is he going to take care of his creation? Absolutely. Am I part of that? Yes. So God is with us. He's for us, not against us. I would suggest that as we understand that, though, God's care might, always not, might not always look like what we think it will look like. Just as a parent disciplining a child and telling them no in their best interest looks pretty mean to a kid, although they might be stopping them from great harm or just a really bad idea, God might do the same to us. And we might say, well, God, that seems so unfair. But that doesn't mean God doesn't care. That, in fact, might be an expression of God's care that we just don't get. So God cares. God's for us. Give us today. Now let's go on to our daily. This uh, might seem, some commentators look at this and they say, well, this just seems like an extension of today and daily. One was a known, really well-known word in the ancient world. One was not a very well-known word in the ancient world. One was reinforcing the other. Not a lot of commentators do that, but some, I find that dissatisfying. I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem like that makes sense of what I see in the text. It seems like it's an extension of time, but there's something more there. So here we're comparing two translations. Uh, NIV, what I'm, New International Version, what I'm preaching out of this morning is on the top. Give us today our daily bread. Probably a lot of translations have that. New Living Translation, Good News, a couple others have what's below. Give us today the food we need. Um, we'll get to the food part in a moment, but our daily, there's something different than that we see there. See, it doesn't even have daily, it has need as the closest parallel there. And then we're not helped out even further because if you went on to BibleGateway.com and pressed uh, daily and said search in all of Matthew, you know how many hits you'd find is one, this verse. Thanks a lot. So now we have to go a little bit outside. And it's okay, since we're in Matthew, we can go to Luke or Mark and see what they say so we can look at Luke. We'll look at that today and see if it informs anything. Luke 9.23 is the verse I found. It'll come up on the screen if you don't want to turn to Luke. But Jesus said to them all, he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. There's an element, certainly, of time, like that 24, 48-hour kind of thing going on, there, but there seems to be something more that's involved in that. There's like an urgency or a motivation that sits within that word there, too. This is kind of, I think, the the part of the verse where it tips from one side to the other. It tips from God, sort of what we might, us passively receiving what God has to offer, to us actively engaging with who God is. Like uh, one of those cars that you pull back and you let go, and then what happens? It goes. So you're kind of passively pulling it back, and then it gets let go, and it has to take over. That's kind of what God is doing at this point in the verse to us. That is, are we going to move from passively receiving, give us today, to actively engaging with God? That is, do we put our trust in him or not? 
Do we choose that to say, you know what, God, I trust that you're the one who's going to give me my daily bread. There's a motivation there. There's something that, that is asked of us at that point, just like we heard from Psalm 20 this morning. Some people put their faith in chariots and horses. I put my faith in the Lord. Or I put my trust in the Lord. Who are we going to put our trust in today? Are we going to make that conscious choice to take up God's offer of daily bread, to be thankful for that and receive it, or are we going to go hunting and gathering for our own stuff from our own sources and reject God's daily bread and God's daily provision? One way I think that, that we have often built in a, a good mechanism to kind of engage more than passively is saying grace before meals. I think that's a, a good and simple way that, that we've often built in. And I, I'll even confess, I realized not too long ago that every morning I eat, I eat breakfast by myself. It's just a bowl of cereal. That's what I want every morning, nothing else. And everybody else is asleep in the house, and it's a beautiful moment. And I thought, I didn't pray for this. And I haven't been praying for the bowl of cereal for a while. I pray for lunch and dinner, but I wasn't praying for breakfast. What's wrong with me? Like, God is the giver of all good things, including this bowl of cereal, which is one of the great things. I need to pray for this. I need to thank God. Each day we choose whether we're going to be thankful and whether we're going to receive when God gives what he gives. And, and that things as simple as table grace, you can do other things, obviously, but this is an easy example and an easy way to engage are ways that we can say, thank you, God, for the physical thing that you've given me, the provision. Now let's go to bread. If we define this uh, word and using our translations, you can see we, we just stuck with the same verses that were there, the same translations that were there. Uh, give us today our daily bread. Give us today the food we need. There's a the reason to compare is when you find a difference, that gives you some way to dig in. And so we already have a difference, and we have to now determine, okay, what's really meant? Does this mean an actual loaf of bread only? Does this mean something more? Does it mean food generally? Let's look at what we can find. So Matthew 14, 17 is a place where we can find one instance of bread when I looked on BibleGateway.com. 14, 17. Uh, that's not the right verse. Well, what's on the screen is right. What does that say? Matthew 14, 17. Oh, I'm in Luke still. <laughs> Operator error. Let's go to Matthew 14, 17. That didn't look right at all. Now, this is not Jesus talking. This is the disciples. They say we have here only five loaves of what? Bread and two fish. This seems like bread, right? Like actual grain bread, ground up, made up into some kind of loaf, probably a pita kind of loaf in this particular case. Okay, that seems pretty straightforward. How about Matthew 15, 26? Just a page over for me. Uh, he replied, it is not right to take the, dog, or the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, we can compare our translations even at this point to see if there's some place where we might suspect something different. Here, if we compare, uh, again, I'm comparing the New Living Translation with the uh, New International Version. Um, you see that New Living and a couple others have food instead of bread. So again, we're kind of tipped off like, Maybe Jesus means something more in the prayer. Maybe he doesn't. But I would suggest we have to look at the context. We have to look at what we see within uh, the gospel itself and beyond. 
And we have to understand the prayer in context, too. It is likely that Jesus is not simply speaking of a loaf of bread. But the thing that creates the staple, food. The thing that really fills in the meal. The, the entree, right? The combination platter. That's the thing that he's talking about. But, but it appears that he's going a little further than that, too. It's, it's not simply, it's, it's physical. Let's first of all say that. Some people look at this verse and they immediately want to say, well, it's the spiritual bread. But it doesn't look like that based on context and other word usage. This is the word used for bread, which in the ancient world meant the main course, the stable food. I think we can easily go beyond that and say Jesus is talking about our physical needs because he expounds on that a little bit later with, look at the birds of the air, right? They're clothed. God's going to take care of you and the needs that you have. It can also go into the spiritual too. It can go beyond that, but it starts first with, look at the physical things God has given you and God has provided for you. Give us today the things that are going to sustain the body that God gave me and the world that God created. That's what we get from this. Let's put this all together. Here's a piece from the Voice of the Martyrs uh, prayer page. It's uh, one paragraph, so it's not very long. It says, Defectors sharing the gospel with North Koreans. Mrs. Han, a North Korean defector, is determined to share her faith with her countrymen. After defecting a few years ago, Mrs. Han came to know Christ in South Korea. She then joined a Voice of the Martyrs training program for defectors that teaches the basic tenets of the Christian faith. Those who complete the first course are invited to advance to the missionary training course, in which they are, regular, or they are taught to share the gospel with other North Koreans. After completing both courses, Mrs. Han made this statement at her graduation. If the 30,000 North Korean defectors are to share the gospel with the 23 million North Koreans, each of us must share the gospel with 770 people. But I do not believe this is an impossible or difficult task. Mrs. Han is determined to play her part in this immense but impossible task. Pray for her and other North Korean defectors who are reaching out to North Koreans with the gospel. In a previous church context that I uh, served in, we were able to pack care packages that were going to be smuggled into North Korea by people like Mrs. Han with, that had notebooks in them. Nothing with English on it could be written on there. Uh, that's a capital offense. Um, and they were going to be smuggled in with Bibles and other such things. There was also a, uh, a power bar in each of those packs uh, in a country where people are very much starving. Uh, this was sent in, and the person that was working with us said, you know, when this gets to a family of two, three, four, five, they're probably not going to share it. They're probably going to give it to just one or two people in the family because sharing the calories won't mean as much as giving it to one or two people. They have to make that choice. Give us today our daily bread takes on new meaning at that point. And they recognize that. I think around the world, particularly our persecuted brothers and sisters, and those that live, our brothers and sisters that live in places where they're less, get this verse a lot better than we do sometimes. Give us today our daily bread. Not because they have less, but because they realize that God is the giver of those things. By contrast, we live in a culture of abundance, and God is a God of abundance, so that's a good thing. I think God, God that's part of God's character to lavishly give us his love and to lavishly give us 
more than we need, but when you combine that with the sinful nature that still courses through us, we sometimes get entitled in that. Give us this day our daily bread sometimes doesn't take on uh, the sense uh, of I'm grateful for this as much as gimme gimme. God, what else do you have for me today? At a church that Stephanie and I attended uh, that we really enjoyed before we got married when we were engaged, uh, one of the people there worked at one of the local grocery stores in the, the small town we were in. And uh, on Saturday night, the food that they couldn't give away to the shelter, the bread particularly, they'd just bring it to the church, and there'd be a heaping pile of bread that had expired during that week that they were getting rid of that they couldn't give to the shelter that was just there. Sometimes eggs, yogurt, other stuff like that that was expired. And you can get real choosy at that point with expired bread. Well, this one's got a little speck on it. I don't think I want to take that home. That's what can happen in a culture of abundance when we don't recognize and, and have a thankful and grateful attitude for all that we have. And what happens is God becomes optional if we're not careful. The, the root of this, to give us today our daily bread, is so important that we are grateful to God in every way because otherwise God isn't essential to us. God is optional, which is not the truth. It's not at all the truth that our creator God is optional. He's core and essential. We don't exist without God, the giver of our daily bread. So the question we're left with after we look through this whole passage is, how am I actively responding to the giver of my daily bread? How am I actively responding to God's gift of daily bread? Two things I'll, I'll suggest are ways that we can respond easily and build that response into our lives. One, I already mentioned table grace, but I want to challenge you. If you don't say thank you when you eat meals, start there. And if you do say thank you when you eat meals, um, expand it. So don't just say thank you for the food. Say thank you for the other things around you, the chair you're sitting in even, whatever it is. You're thanking God for these things. But even further, pray for those next door to you who maybe don't know Jesus. Pray for those around the world who lack their daily bread, particularly our brothers and sisters who serve in those environments and re fully rely on God for their daily needs and get that. Pray that we would have insight into how God's taking care of us. Expand it beyond the simple, thank you God for the cereal or the sandwich or whatever it is, to, and God, would you also be with someone like Mrs. Han and help me learn from her what it means to rely on you as my daily bread and the giver of my daily bread. I'd also say that part of that then uh, over the last couple weeks, we've talked about memorizing the Lord's Prayer, so you can pray it every day as a full prayer. Last week, we talked about breaking it up and praying it different ways each day. I'd say just pray this this week if you want to challenge. Pray, give us today our daily bread, and start listing out on one piece of paper or in your journal or whatever you write in, how are the ways that God has given me my daily bread today? And use that as your prayer prompt all throughout to say thank you all throughout the week and beyond of the ways that God has given you both the physical and the non-physical things in this life that are blessings directly from God. And as an added bonus, here's a challenge. Next week is Matthew 6, 12. No surprises there. Uh, we're just going to the next verse. Uh, Forgive us our debts, sins, or trespasses as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us, trespassed against us, or our debtors. However you're going to pray it. Um, 
try this method. Try the, the, the four, it's just a few words that, that are unique in that. Try to define the words, compare the words, see what new insights you gain from your definition and what are the implications. Prepare before you come and be thankful that you have a Bible. They have 51 English translations online that you can access. They have a smartphone in some cases that can access this stuff. That you have paper, that you have pens. Be thankful for your daily bread. Let's pray and let's thank God. God, we are grateful people and we want to be more grateful and we never want to be entitled and we never want to take you for granted. We want to be people who, uh, from our very souls, say thanks. That never have an edge of, gimme, gimme. God, you gave me all this stuff and I'm so ungrateful for the things that you've given me. But God, how can I return your goodness and love as a blessing? God, help us realize that. Help us be a people who will bless the world around us because of the way that you've consistently and continually blessed us. Help us recognize that sometimes the things that we think we want are not the things that we need. And sometimes the things that we need are not the things we ask for. But God, you know more than we do. You know better than we do. You are God and we are not. Help us never reverse those roles in our mind, or in our life. This we pray in the name of your Son. Amen.